So we've been preaching through the Proverbs on a lot of different topics. If you've been here over the summer, you've heard us preach on the downward spiral of folly. We've preached about the cultivation of friendship, the limits of money, the end of work. And today, we're preaching about the pursuit of happiness. And so many of us are familiar with that phrase, but it runs very deep in our bones. Many of us live our whole lives in the pursuit of happiness. One theologian named Thomas Aquinas says that everything we do, whether or not we know it, is truly this pursuit of happiness. We try to get rich because we think it'll make us happy. We don't try to become happy in order to be rich. We want someone to fall in love with us because maybe we think that love will make us happy, but we don't seek happiness so that someone falls in love with us. So often, what we're really after is happiness. And there's a really prevalent belief in this culture that God wants you to be happy. There's a sociologist named Christian Smith who is an expert on Americans' beliefs about God. And he invented this term to summarize what many Americans, many of us, probably believe. And this term, it's very scholarly, so we'll just push through it, is moralistic, therapeutic deism. And basically what he means is that we're deists. We believe that God exists, but he's far off and not very involved in our world. It's moralistic because we think God wants us to be pretty nice people. But most importantly, it's therapeutic. God wants us to be happy in this life. Christian Smith says, just picture God as an old landlord. He doesn't have too many rules just as long as you're a nice tenant. It's a somewhat comforting picture of God. The problem is it's just not true. The God revealed in Jesus Christ is not that way. God created everything and he sustains everything. He is intimately involved in our world. He doesn't want us to just be nice people. He wants us to love our neighbors. He wants us to love our enemies. He wants us to love the least of these much more than just being nice. And God is not most concerned with your happiness or mine. And I know when I say that, I don't want you to get me wrong. God cares when we're in need. God cares when we're in pain. God is against the suffering that we inflict on each other. God cares about our happiness in this life, but God cares about other things more than that. And this is the actual good news of this sermon. I'm going to give it ahead of time. If you know that God cares about other things more than your happiness, you can be free from the enslaving pursuit of it. Because my bet is that if you're honest and if I'm honest, this pursuit sometimes enslaves us. We think, okay, maybe I'll be happy in the future when my circumstances change. Or maybe I'm just happy right now because of my current circumstances, and if I maintain those circumstances, then I'll stay happy. Or maybe I used to be happy in the past when those circumstances were just right, and if I can recreate that, maybe 
I'll be happy again. And we sacrifice a lot for happiness. We sacrifice family and friends and church, our integrity, our respect, just for this one thing. It enslaves us. But the wisdom in these Proverbs is that you and I can be freed from that enslaving pursuit. Because whether you're a Christian or not, my bet is many of us want to be happy. And yes, there's a lot of different definitions of happy, but I bet everyone in this room knows that there are different kinds of happiness. We know that there's short-lived happiness, temporary pleasure, but we also know and crave happiness that's deep, that's lasting, that endures through all different kinds of life circumstances. And today is an invitation to you if you want that second kind of happiness. You need this wisdom. And I need this wisdom because I want to be free from that slavery. And I think if we just start with Proverbs 27.9, we, we get this very realistic sense of happiness from Proverbs. It says something as simple as this. It says, perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. This proverb is simple but so true. There are things in this life that give us joy. I know, it's, it's so profound, right? We're starting off really deep. Proverbs says a lot of things in life bring joy. Justice brings joy. A timely word of encouragement brings joy. Good news brings joy. Kings are pleased by honesty. That gives them joy. There are things in this world that we can experience that make us happy, but there's a huge however in Proverbs. At the same time, humans can get happiness from the wrong things. Proverbs 1.22 says, How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? This, this proverb is so important because it, it doesn't say how long will you who are simple continue to do foolish things. It says how long will you love those things. We aren't angels who only find happiness in the good gifts of God. Sometimes we find happiness in things that are terrible for us. When I was in high school, I heard from a lot of ministers who told us that we shouldn't have sex before marriage because it wouldn't make us happy. The problem is, my high school friends were very happy about the sex they had before marriage. I know, it's, it's only 10.30 in the morning and I'm talking about this, but I think it's important, okay? The, the big reason why they did is they didn't have a de definition of happiness about that, that's lasting and enduring through life's difficult circumstances. They just viewed it as pleasure. And our, my, my youth ministers would assure us that it would make us, that these actions that they were disapproved of would make us feel guilty. My friends didn't feel guilty for a second. The important wisdom that Proverbs has for us is that you can find, and I can find, some amount of happiness in things that just destroy us. When Eve sees the forbidden fruit, it says it's desirable and pleasing to the eye. 
The whole point of Proverbs in, in this part is that happiness, some happiness, can be found in things that destroy our lives. Just think about any bad habit you have, okay? So you think the thing that you do a lot is going to bring you some amount of joy. And so uh, whenever you're feeling down or lonely, uh, you use, whether it's a substance or something else, you use it to get happiness. But then this time's amount of happiness just really isn't as good as last time, right? It always lacks by comparison. So you keep wanting more and more and more until your whole day is consumed by this very thing that you thought would make you happy but is actually making you miserable. I'm talking about the smartphone in your pocket. Right? We get it out a little bit, and we, we don't think it controls our life, but then when you actually check how much screen time you have, it's a lot more hours of the day than you thought. That's because we think it'll make us happy, and it does give us just this little bit of happiness, but it's not lasting. And Proverbs knows that ahead of time. It says, you can seek happiness through all those things, but it's not going to last. Proverbs 21.7 says, whoever loves pleasure will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Yes, there are things in this life that bring you temporary happiness. But when you start sacrificing everything, when I start sacrificing everything, I end up with nothing. But fortunately, Proverbs says the opposite is true too. 29 verse 6 says, Evildoers are snared by their sin, but the righteous shout for joy and are glad. If you aren't a Christian, you may think that being a Christian is a really big buzzkill. You may think that walking into the church is the end of your social life, the end of all fun you may have had. But this proverb assures you, no, 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 the righteous, people who are seeking to be uh, made holy by God, are joyful. They are glad. What is Jesus' first miracle? What's the first thing he does? He turns water into wine. Come on, the guy knew how to have fun, okay? This being a Christian is not a wholesale rejection of all happy things in life. If you enjoy family and friends and food and art and music, you don't have to stop finding joy in them. Being righteous doesn't mean being miserable. But part of being righteous and learning righteousness requires unlearning how we define joy. I'm reading this book on everyday Christian life by uh, a woman named Tish Harrison Warren, and she talks about being in a class of seminary students, and uh, the professor assigned this famous uh, piece of literature called Confessions. It's by Augustine. And one of the students got the book read the first chapter and, and handed it back to the professor and said, this is boring. And the professor, without missing a beat, shot back, no, you're boring. And that's the magic of tenure uh, right there. But what's amazing about that, and I think the point he's making, is that we don't come into the world knowing what gives us true joy. We don't know ahead of time what will bring us joy. Sometimes we have to unlearn what we thought would, would bore us and learn what gives us true joy. And that was the, the professor's whole point. No, sometimes we're boring. 
And when we learn the Christian life and what it actually means to follow Jesus, we realize that the righteous shout for joy and are glad. There's actually true joy found in that. That's why Proverbs 3.13 says, Happy are those who find wisdom, who gain understanding. This is, this is so incredible to me, and, and thinking about these Proverbs for the past few weeks just kind of gave me this realization that true happiness comes not from the pursuit of it, but pursuing what God thinks is more important than happiness. Proverbs 3.13 says true happiness comes from wisdom. Proverbs 11.10 says righteousness brings joy. Proverbs 16.20 says those who trust in the Lord will be happy. Each one is trying to say when you pursue happiness directly, you'll just find yourself saddened, anxious, empty, unfulfilled. But when you search after the things that God cares about more, you actually find happiness in the process. Tim Keller makes a great, this same point in his book, The Meaning of Marriage. Uh, he's a, a, a pastor in New York City, and a, a large majority of his church is young professionals, young adults from 18 to 35. And he says, whenever they're kind of getting ready to be married, what they think about marriage is, I found someone who I love, and now I'm just going to, and I found somebody with whom I'm happy, and now getting marriage will just seal that for eternity. Because I found happiness, if I just get married, it will last forever. But in premarital counseling, what he always tells them is, no, 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 you, you haven't found happiness yet. True happiness comes after the difficulties of marriage. When you've endured through the difficult times, happiness is not something you achieve at the beginning and maintain through the course of marriage. It's something you find in being married. And I think I think that really demonstrates what Proverbs is talking about. Pursuing happiness, pursuing pleasure. It's going to leave you broke. It's going to leave you poor. You're going to have nothing left, unfulfilled, unhappy, and frustrated. But when you seek what God cares about, you'll find happiness in the search of it. Proverbs sounds a lot like that guy who says, whoever tries to save his own life will lose it but whoever loses his life will find it. So true. When we try to save our lives, to make it happy for ourselves, we end up losing it. Augustine, who wrote Confessions, says this about martyrs, people who are killed for their faith in Jesus. He says, worldly people are happy in an unhappy way and martyrs were happy to be unhappy. Let me say that one more time. Worldly people are happy in an unhappy way, but martyrs were happy to be unhappy. And I love that, that paradox. He's saying those who seek happiness are haunted by their unhappiness, and those who are happy to give it up for Christ are more happy than the others. Now, this balance is so incredibly difficult. Sometimes Christians really overemphasize joy in this life, and sometimes it seems like they don't even know that people are really struggling. But other times, Christians kind of push away from that and swing to the other side of the pendulum and forget that God truly does want us and, and wants to give us joy. 
I think the best way for me to kind of maintain this balance is to look forward to what God has in store in the future. We're told in some of the last chapters of the Bible that God will wipe away every tear from our eyes. That there will be no death, no mourning, no crying or pain. In that life, God will offer us complete, utter joy. And this changed the way I viewed the phrase, the joy of the Lord. Right? We've heard that phrase a lot if you grew up in church. We often think about the joy of the Lord as the joy that God gives to us. And that's absolutely true. But at the same time, the joy of the Lord is something that he already has. He's perfectly joyful. But he wants to give us that joy one day. There's this amazing quote from G.K. Chesterton. He's describing God as if God is like a child. And it just, it brings me joy, just this description of it. It's amazing. He says, because children have abounding vitality, because they are in spirit fierce and free, they want things repeated and unchanged. They always say, do it again, do it again, do it again. And maybe God is like that. Maybe God says every morning, do it again to the sun. And every evening, do it again to the moon. It may not be automatic necessity that makes all the daisies alike. It may be that God makes every daisy separately. And he never got tired of making them. It may be that God has the eternal appetite of infancy. For we have sinned and grown old and our Heavenly Father is younger than we. I love that description, that God never gets tired. He never gets bored. He is absolutely, totally a bottomless well of joy. And the Apostle John says, we know that when God is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. God is utter joy. And one day, we'll have that joy too. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're sometimes enslaved by the pursuit of happiness. And yes, we can find happiness in things in life. We know that we don't have to be miserable to be righteous. But we never want to pursue happiness in such a way that we're willing to sacrifice what you think is most important. We pray that we would seek first your kingdom, that we would lose our life in order to find it, and that through those things you would bring us happiness like the martyrs had. We look forward to the day where we get to see you as you are, that we will be as joyful as you are. We pray that we would never get bored of you, that we would be like you, never tiring of the joy that you have. We pray all this in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.